So welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Match at Football podcast. I'm Darren, your host, as always. And just a reminder, the links in the description of this podcast to all forms of social media, including our guest today's. Now, our guest today is a player for Chardon Athletic. Um, he is a Northern Ireland international as well. It is Connor Washington. Connor, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Darren. Thank you very much, mate. Thanks for having me on. Delighted to get you on the show. Um, and where I like to start always is a little bit about the journey of our guest and your journey. You know, you've played for a couple of different teams. You've played in England, up in Scotland. You're playing for the Northern Ireland international team. But tell me a little bit briefly about your journey from where it started for you and how did you end up in Charlton? Um, it's probably a little bit of a different journey to, to a lot of players, I guess. It's coming a little bit more common now, but I was playing non-league football up until I was around 20 and then managed to get a move into, into the conference at Newport. Um, managed to do relatively well there, get a move to Peterborough in um, League One at the time. And then hit a, hit a real good run of form, uh, started playing some really good stuff and, and got a move to QPR where it sort of didn't really work out for me. Um, but I enjoyed my time there and learned a lot. And then went to Sheffield United and was a spectator for most of it. But it was a really good year in terms of um, seeing what's required to get to that top level in, in the year that they got promoted to the Premier League. Uh, and then, like you say, went up to Scotland. <clears throat> Tough time up there again, really. Uh, had, a, had a bad injury and the, the, as a team, we didn't do particularly well. And then um, after after I'd finished there, obviously moved to Charlton and um, I've obviously been there, been there ever since. You've played for a couple of big, big clubs in there. You know, Charlton Athletic, obviously, that they have they have aspirations to get back up the football pyramid into the championship. You've played for QPR in the championship, um, up in Scotland. You know that the demands that were there, Sheffield United, the demands that are there. Does that attract you to a football club? You know those demands and that expectation. Yeah, for sure. I think I've been really lucky in terms of the clubs I've managed to managed to get get to and play for. I think, like you say, it's it's, it's brilliant that the the demands of football and things like that. I've always really enjoyed that pressure. So, yeah, I think it is definitely a big sell. Obviously, big stadiums, nice training grounds, uh, a big sells for players as well. Big time, absolutely. Um, one of the other questions I love to ask at the very start of uh, outset of these podcasts is the keys to success and elite performance. What do you think are your keys or are the characteristics needed for someone to succeed at the professional level in the professional game? I think there's a few things. Obviously, there's there's a sacrifice. I think in in terms of things you do outside of football and, <clears throat> and things you do in in football as well. Um, the discipline and consistency, I'd say, probably they're probably my three biggest things. That having obviously seen seen players that have gone on to play in the Premier League and having played with um, top top professionals at international level, I've been lucky enough to see that firsthand. So. I would say out of, out of all the things in terms of technical ability and things like that, nothing nothing is more important than, than those three, really. The, the one I want to touch on there slightly is consistency, because I find it I find the topic of consistency fascinating. Um, I find it probably the hardest thing to do, probably as a professional player, is to be consistent. Um, how do you find that challenge as a professional player? Yeah, it's difficult, I think. It genuinely is, I think, because obviously a lot of the things like I say in terms of the sacrifice they're not always the easiest things to do so to be consistent in those things that aren't easy to do is, is <laughs> such a difficult task um, I think you've only got to look at the, the real sort of pinnacle of the game in in an outlier if you like in Cristiano Ronaldo because he's arguably the most consistent performer physical 
um, specimen going. And I think it's very easy for a lot of people to sort of attribute his success and the way he is to genetics or this or that or luck or, or whatever you want to call it. But I don't think it's anything more than just incredible dedication and consistency um, to obviously a, a, a crazy level. But I think it's easy for, for people that maybe don't have that discipline and can't manufacture that consistency to say, oh, that I can't do that because he's genetically wired that way or it's just an excuse, really. I think one of the main factors from, from talking to various different professionals is the dedication and the hard work outside of football as well. You know, it's very easy. And I always liken this to as an example, when the lights are on and me as a fan, I'm sitting in the stadium and I see 90 minutes. I don't see what goes on Monday to Friday. I don't see the extra work you're doing in the gym or what you're doing behind the scenes to maintain your fitness, the maybe the hour of stretching prior to training, various th different things that give you that edge to be able to go out and perform. Is that a part of the game that you enjoy? And for some of our listeners who are young people wanting to start out their career, wanting to go professional, how important is, you know, you mentioned sacrifice, is having the discipline to consistently do the things behind the scenes, so to speak? Yeah, I think it's probably the separator, to be honest. Obviously, technical ability can be improved, but by the time you get to 16, 17, like the room for improvement from the technical side probably becomes a lot smaller. And obviously the people at that level, I mean, obviously I've played in league one and I also play international level. I think people would be surprised at how small the gap is technically. I mean, like Stephen Davis is obviously brilliant, but I wouldn't say that <clears throat> you look at him and think that he's playing a different game to the level that we're playing, if, if you see what I mean. But his consistency and his his application day in, day out is, is second to none. And if I'm honest, I've always quite enjoyed it. I've enjoyed, I think, probably the, a, a big motivation, a big drive for me is I would never want to get to the end of my career and think, or oh, if I'd applied myself more, I might have been able to get to a, a higher level and I, I think I'd hate to have that regret. So it's almost a bit of a fear that drives me in, in that respect. But I, I've enjoyed it because I've seen people with tons more technical ability than I have who have never played at the levels that I have and haven't haven't managed to sort of achieve what I've achieved in the game. And I, I, I put that down to obviously the things I'm doing outside of football. And what, what things do you do outside of football that you feel gives you the edge? I think diet is a huge one. I think it's very easy to obviously, I mean, most football clubs, you might have breakfast and lunch at, at training and that's only in the days that you're in, but obviously you're probably getting two days a week off and also a dinner every night. So probably maybe two thirds of your, maybe a, or yeah, half, two thirds of your <clears throat> sort of diet is outside of football. So that's so important, um, being consistent with that. Uh, I stretch every night before going to bed um and obviously just try and get as much rest as possible i think is i think that's a seriously undervalued sort of cornerstone of of football agree wholeheartedly with everything you've said there and in terms of the stretching as well i wanted to actually ask you about obviously you're you're an incredibly quick player you know you're a forward and incredibly fast a lot of players who are incredibly fast are often quite susceptible to injury. Is there anything that you do to help injury prevention or things that you're aware of in your body to know when you, like you said, you stretch every night before bed? Is there things you're aware of in your body that know that you know makes the difference for you in that respect? If I'm honest, it would actually be the loading in the gym. 
which I find is probably, I mean, I've been, other than a, a couple of sort of freak injuries, I mean, I tore a hamstring, but I was jumping and went to control a ball in the air. So it wasn't like I was sprinting or anything like that. It was, that was a bit of a freak one. Um, and my sort of availability for training and games in general has been been very good throughout my career. And if I'm honest, I personally, I attribute that to, to being strong, to being robust. Um, obviously, I think the stretch and mobility stuff probably probably does help. But I think that I use I sort of use that to make me feel better, not not necessarily mentally, but make my body actually feel better. It doesn't feel as tight, so that probably contributes as well, like you were saying. But yeah, I would definitely say for me personally, it'd be the the loading in the gym. And this information, you know, the stretching, the mobility, the loading in the gym, sleep, nutrition, diet, all that sort of stuff that you're, you're doing on a daily basis so you can perform it at your optimal level. Was that something that you learnt as your career was progressing through non-league into the leagues or was that something you were aware of from a young age and were already implementing to try and make the difference? So I was a big gym goer anyway before before I turned professional, biceps and triceps most days in the gym. Um so I was very sort of upper body based, but I have always enjoyed, I've always enjoyed going to the gym and, and working hard in that respect. And then it's like you say, it's just information I've sort of accrued over the years, but also I've sought it out a lot as well. Like at, at QPR, um, I had a nutritionist who used to cook and used to cook for me and my wife and used to bring us the food round. So I learned a lot from him. Uh, he taught me some valuable lessons and also sort of, seeking out strength and conditioning outside of football as well mm-hmm. because as as we all know the, the contact time that strength and conditioning coaches get with with players is is minimal and it's very tough to individualize it so i i sort of worked out that it would be best if i could go and do that outside of outside of training to get that individual plan really so um but i've always been interested in in how i can improve the the marginal gain sort of um philosophy but <laughs> The marginal gains only works if obviously the rest is in place in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely agree with that one. Um, do you take any nutritional supplements that help that help you in any way? You know, your protein, your glutamines, your BCAAs, anything specific that you feel gives you a bit of an edge in, in that aspect as well? So yeah, I've, I've dabbled in many things over the years, all legal, should I say. <laughs> um, but if I'm honest, it's just just your protein supplements and um whenever I can't obviously get a, a good dietary source of that. Uh, I take creatine every day, mm-hmm. um, a multivitamin just to sort of cover all bases really. Mm-hmm. And occasional sort of immune support stuff, greens, powders, and, and things like that. There's nothing, maybe some omega threes, obviously the vitamin D is included in the, in the multivitamin. So mm-hmm. just stuff that's, I've obviously experimented with stuff that's maybe not as well researched, but mm-hmm. at the minute I've just sort of gone for the, the basics where they've sort of been proven to to help what about like recovery um you know you mentioned sleep sleep being a big part of it and maybe something that isn't really touched on a lot is getting the the right amount of rest and and stuff like that what about massages ice baths things like that to help aid in your recovery as well do anything of those that you would recommend or work for you yeah i'm a big ice bath fan to be honest um just as much for the the muscle recovery as the the sort of the Wim Hof method, if you like, uh, for an immune response, and obviously the other the other benefits that have 
that have come off the back of that, really. Uh, massage just as and when for me personally, but I think you just you just can never get away from. There's just very little point in doing those extra things if you're not getting the the sleep and you're not eating the right things in and around. Obviously, game days and, and heavy training days. If, if you're not getting the right nutrition and you're not getting the rest, it just nothing's going to make a difference if you like. But an ice bath for me is I feel good coming out of an ice bath. Obviously, I know the research into them is uh, flimsy, maybe at best. But I think if you make if you think it makes you feel better, and then more than likely it is it is probably helping. I think um, with, with that as well, obviously the demanding schedule that you have as a professional player, you're playing obviously an incredible amount of games for Charlton, but you're also playing international football as well. Like the, the recovery, the rest, the nutrition is so vitally important for you. Um, obviously you played you know, against Gateshead um, on Friday night and Ipswich tomorrow night. When you have those long away trips, um, those long away days, and then you have another game coming quick and quick and everything's sort of just happening so fast is there anything you do different in terms of your your diet your nutrition and your sleep how do you make it all kind of fit i've always been sort of quite a big advocate of carb loading Mm -hmm. don't follow the protocols strictly if you like but i would definitely sort of try and up my carb intake uh, the day before a game i sort of messed around with a lower carbs at the start of the week and then higher carbs towards game days but I just found it it was tough on my stomach for a start um, and obviously I think football is a tough one to to integrate carb loading perfectly so um, but after funny enough going back to the supplements I actually take a supplement by PAS it's called nighttime recharge because I think that's such a big a big thing and obviously I take caffeine during well before before the game so on a night game obviously I'm taking a big hit of caffeine at say seven o'clock mm-hmm. and then come one o'clock in the morning I still can't sleep but the nighttime recharge stuff um seems to really help um makes me drowsy and, and helps me sleep so uh, I, I found that really effective um and then like I say it's just as soon as I can as soon as the game finishes it's just get a um, get an electrolyte drink down me get a shake down me eat as much as I can really um carb-wise, protein-wise, and then for the day after, I'm pretty much the same, to be honest, try and keep hydrated and and just try and give myself as as much chance as possible. I think a big part of that as well is knowing yourself and knowing your own body and knowing how you operate, you know, in the caffeine before the game and then, um, you know, the nighttime effects after. Everything all kind of goes in to you because you know you and you know how you operate and how you work and i think that's vitally important for any any player at any level to know how they operate and how they work and what's going to work for them and um, a couple of quick fire match fit questions um for some of our our listeners and again some of these guys might want to go pro so i want to ask you about your favorite pre-match meal and do you eat or drink anything specific at halftime uh yes i'm a bit of a not not superstitious, but I think once you sort of get to my age in football, there's things that you know, like you say, you know that work for you. So um, it will just be honey on toast with a sliced up banana on top of it for pre-match um, because I've done a lot of my sort of heavier carb loading earlier in the day or, or the day previously. And half time, I'm just water and an energy gel. That's it. Um, obviously I actually try not to drink too much at half time because I found that sometimes I can go out feeling bloated and a bit heavy off the back of that so mm-hmm. yeah absolutely excellent stuff you know like like we just mentioned it's about knowing yourself and when you know that works for you 
you don't change it. Um, another yeah. another question that comes in from time to time is about coaching. Um, and if I if I walked into Charlton tomorrow as the head coach, what type of attributes would you like me to have as your coach? What brings out the best in Connor Washington? Um, obviously, enthusiasm is huge in football. I think it's absolutely brilliant to to get the lads going. <laughs> and I think people skills are arguably the most important. I, I would say, um, obviously, the tactical stuff and any coach that's going to come into Charlton is is going to have a really good understanding of the game and, and things like that. But uh, the people skills to, to know how to get the best out of each individual, I think, is is so important. Football's changed a lot. It's not just shout at everybody and expect results anymore. That's not that's not how the world is. So, I think knowing knowing how to get in each individual going is is a huge asset for for any coach. Is that something you've noticed throughout your career? The the changing of football and changing of how things are done from maybe where you started in non league to where you are now. Yeah, definitely. Even in the last ten years, massively. I think it's obviously a worldwide thing. Um, mental health's become a a much more pivotal role, and I think it has a much more pivotal role. And I think that's that's only good for football, really. I think it's a little bit archaic in terms of shout at everybody, like I was saying, and mm-hmm. and expect to expect to get them get these people going. It's it's not always the case. So I think it's it's great in general for football because it means that coaches and managers are probably taking more time to get to know individual players mm-hmm. and to find out what makes them tick and, and what sort of techniques are going to help them. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um, what characteristics of a club? So when you're moving club, and especially for some of these young players that listen to this, what characteristics of a club attract you to a football club? If you're deciding to move on, if you're being courted by a couple of different clubs, what attracts you to a football club? What should a young player be looking out for? Obviously, the manager, I think, is is really important. Football managers are changing really quickly, as it is. But I think, obviously, a style of football, in, if that club's known for, for playing a certain certain way, for Peterborough, example, was, was massive for me because of their emphasis on attacking football. Mm-hmm. And from a personal point of view, it's, the training ground's really important to me because you spend so much time there you, and... It's so much easier, like we were talking about earlier, to be consistent, to be disciplined if you're in a good environment that has good facilities. Um, so a good gym, uh, recovery facilities, etc. I think are, are really important on a personal level for me. And you mentioned, you know, training in the training facilities and stuff like that. How important is taking a serious and a professional approach to training um, in terms of the day-to-day, you know, grind? Yeah, I think it's something... Over my career, I've got a lot better at, especially that year at Sheffield United, I saw that the intensity and the consistency of training and everything that everyone was doing was just up here all the time, every day. There wasn't there wasn't a day when anyone had a down day. It was 100% all the time from every single player and, and all members of staff as well. So <laughs> I think one of the famous Guardiola quotes is that you train how you play. And I think as a young player, you can probably you probably don't realise that and you can probably take sloppy training performances and, and things like that into games. Um, so, yeah, I would say after after that Sheffield, you know, I was, something I wish I knew earlier, to be honest, and something I wish had been coached into me earlier that um, you need to be 100% to get the most out of the session for a start. Obviously, you train to improve as a player. So if you're not putting 100% into even passing drills, things like that, it's 
you'd be amazed at how sloppy that those little things can get that bleed into bleed into other training sessions and games etc an interesting point you made there is you wish you you wish you kind of realized that earlier in your career and coming up through non-league and then going into the football league did you notice and how did it affect you the level of coaching and maybe the amount of coaches for example at some some clubs did did that have a big impact on you yeah, there's a lot of obviously sort of jump through the leagues relatively quickly. So the standard went up crazy high um, every time, really. Uh, yeah. So I found it really tough to adapt. So in terms of mental toughness, it was it was really important for me to sort of hang in there and, and make sure I was doing all I could to get to that level from a technical and physical point of view. And obviously the standard of coaching going up is is great because you, you learn so much, like I said, about the, the QPR stint it was really tough in terms of it didn't quite work out for, for either party but what I learned and the people I learned from at, at that level was was invaluable really I think an interesting point there was you know you said it didn't quite work out for you but what you learned and how, what you can take from that and now apply to yourself at a different stage of your career is probably invaluable you know you're at Charlton which is a club which probably sees itself a lot higher than League One understandably so it's a massive massive football club um, what you've learned at QPR probably stands you in such good stead to continue to improve and to have such an impact at Charlton for example yeah for sure it means I, I want to keep my own personal standards high which hopefully then bleeds into <clears throat> the younger players and if, if the younger players can see senior pros with that attitude which is the such an important thing like I was saying about Sheffield United the older players the younger players they all had the same same attitude whether you were in or out of the team which I think is very rare and was a huge factor in in getting promoted I think it's important to have that isn't it you know that team ethic and that bonding and that atmosphere inside a club especially when you have goals such as promotion and moving up the leagues and whatnot yeah for sure uh, it brings us on nicely to the match the match fit mindset portion of the podcast and i want to ask you about the importance of having a strong mindset and being mentally tough especially in you talked about football coaching changing and everything is changing constantly in in the world right now to be honest it's a rapidly changing environment that we're in but football especially with the you know the growth of social media with the growth of analytics and podcasts and everyone has an opinion on on football how important is that for you as a player and maybe your teammates as well to have such a strong mindset yeah i think going through the levels like i have you see that mental resilience is is arguably one of the the top three or four huge assets huge attributes that you need to succeed in football because I mean, I had to come off Twitter for a few years just to get myself out of that environment where it wasn't working and I was getting abused on there. It wasn't even sort of that I was searching for it on Twitter. These I would, these were getting mentioned sort of my account. I was opening up my notifications and seeing that. So I think being able to sort of stomach that and, and keep going. And I think arguably the most important thing is, like I say, with the consistency and the discipline, if you know that you're doing all you can to be a success then it, it shouldn't or won't matter what anybody else thinks anyway because you're performing to the best of your ability in training outside of training you're doing all you can so I think being true to yourself and being honest with yourself in that respect is is probably a really I would say probably a really good way in which to 
shut the noise out, if you like. And when you are honest with yourself and you know that you're giving 100% and you're working hard and you're doing everything you can for your career where you are currently at your current situation, how does that factor into maybe confidence and motivation to to go on and do well and go on and score goals and be, be an important player in the team? Yeah, I think obviously it's, it's quite... It's a lot easier for me now at 29 to to sit here and be comfortable in my own skin and know what I bring to the table and know what what's good for me as a player, what's bad for me as a player, what I can do and what I'm probably not so good at. I think the uh, the value of wisdom in that respect is is obviously really important. And they they say sort of I know I'm not old, but um, youth is wasted on the young. Um, obviously in football terms I'm getting older so uh, if I like you say if I'd have known how to act and how if I sort of put this mentality into a into a younger Connor Washington how how would that have affected my career yeah it's fascinating when you start to you know look at those aspects and figure out you know what you've learned over the years and brings me another question like what would maybe be the biggest lesson that you've learned in your career thus far I think it probably links back to what I was saying earlier. Just be true to yourself. Obviously, mm-hmm. a lot of most footballers aren't good at absolutely everything. There's very few of those. Uh, mm-hmm. Ronaldo probably being the, the biggest example. But you don't see Messi challenging for headers or running in behind all the time or things like that. I think if I was more true to myself and maybe, obviously, I know I needed to improve other parts of my game, but my game is running in behind and scoring goals off of that, making good runs. Um, and I probably tried too much to become a better all-rounded player and maybe lost sort of what I was good at and what had got me to that level in the first place. Was that something that you sort of realised yourself or was that something that maybe a coach or a manager said, hey, stop trying that, you're really good at this, do this and you'll score goals? No, I think it was something that, that I came to realise on my own, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think it's very rare that you'll, you'll find a, a coach or a manager that takes that much interest in you that, that they can see that and will do something about it. A lot of a lot of managers are obviously very results orientated. So if you're not doing what they want you to do, or if you're not having as much of an effect on a game as as they want you to, then you're just out the team. Really, it's not so much. I think it's maybe like you say in in the, the new era. Hopefully, it'll be the the new way of coaching, if you like, which is the way it should have always been. But it's, that's not always been the case. Mm-hmm. Would you be a person who sets goals for yourself? And if so, how do you go about attaining those goals or measuring those goals? I sort of flirt with them, to be honest. I do make them usually at the start of a season or at the start of a year. And But whether it's hard with goals, obviously, in football, because there's so many factors. And if you set a target of, say, 15 goals, mm-hmm. there might be a multitude of reasons why you don't achieve that. So a lot of the time it just comes down to what would what do I need to do to put myself in a position that 15 goals is attainable, if you like. So it's more about my attitude, my discipline, my consistency. Um, and what do I need to do to make myself fit all year or or as, as fit as possible all year? Uh, obviously, there's like I say, there's even saying that you, you can never risk rule out a, a freak injury so yeah it's mostly for me it's just about being the best version of myself if you like as, as cliche as that sounds for the whole season 
Yeah, yeah, totally, totally get where you're coming from with that one. Um, I want to touch on a subject now, which I think majority of young players or young people when they start out, even as a child, if you have a dream to be a professional footballer, you always dream of playing international football. Um, you've been able to do that. You're still doing that. You're in the Northern Ireland squad. Um, you've been a big part of that Northern Ireland squad since since you've joined up. And um, tell me a little bit about the differences between club football and international football in terms of the game play, the pace of the game, and how different and difficult is training, especially if you're only with an international team for three days, then you have a game versus, you know, weeks or six weeks at a time at a club. Yeah, it's tough. Obviously, a lot of it's very tactical. The physical element doesn't really come into it because obviously you're, you're hoping as a as a group of players that you're coming into the game conditioned off the back of the games you've been playing at club level. So that sort of goes out the window. There's there's markers that they'd like you to hit distance wise, but it's nowhere near what they sort of the attention to detail at, at, at club level. Uh, so it's very very tactical, <clears throat> and trying to get those sessions in is tough. Um, with like you say such short turnaround but it's always been something I really enjoyed I've been lucky enough obviously to play with some some really good players and against some some really good teams in terms of gameplay the it's probably it's obviously very very football based um very passing based and obviously playing for Northern Ireland we've never been particularly renowned for having lots of the ball so it's, it's usually a big output physically um which is something I enjoy to be honest I've always I've always enjoyed that side of the game but yeah, it's just fantastic. It's great to, to play against these players and look back and, and think about the games. And I've obviously learned a lot from from the senior pros in, in the setup as well. And a big thing about the Northern Ireland thing, you know, people, you know, back home, we still talk about Euro 2016 and how amazing that experience was. Um, and then obviously games recently, there was games against Italy. There was another game at Windsor Park a couple of years back against Portugal and whatnot. Like you've said, playing against some of these big, big, big teams and playing against big players and playing even in international tournaments and stuff. Where does playing international football rank for you? And maybe moments and, 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 and rankings, if I can put it that way, in your career? Yeah, Euro 2016 is the pinnacle of my career, I would say, in terms of being... Um, the most enjoyable time, probably been the proudest, uh, and obviously managing to get through the group stage as well was a was a real big achievement for the country and obviously on a personal level as well. So yeah, I'd rank that right up there, and I really enjoy going away on the on on any international trip, but especially when obviously you get to play against the big teams like last month uh, at Italy. Is there much of a a pressure environment at international football, especially for example, if we talk about Euro twenty sixteen and you're in France and for us just to be there, it was like, wow, this is the best thing ever. But for you guys as players, was there much of a, a pressure put on you or did you guys feel pressure? Were you there to enjoy it, but also just play play the matches as they came? Yeah, I think it was a self-inflicted pressure, if you like, that we'd sort of got there and maybe nobody expected us to do anything in the tournament. So I think it was, it was a good pressure. And I think pressure in football is not always necessarily a bad thing. I think um, a lot of players sort of thrive on that. And I think we did, to be honest. Um, we wanted to prove a lot of people wrong that, that that we weren't just there to make the numbers up. And obviously we, we managed to get through. Absolutely agree with that. And then, the, like you mentioned, there are some seasoned pros that you've played with, you know, like so Stephen Davis and, and Gareth McCauley and stuff like that, guys who have played at the, sort of the top level in England and up in Scotland as well. Um, what are those guys like to be around for, especially younger players coming through? If I if I mentioned the likes of Gavin White, who, you know, I watched at Crusaders, you know, at my season ticket, I have the Crusaders watching Gavin White come through and seeing where he is now. 
what's it like for those young players coming through? You know, the likes of yourself, or you know, you've played in the championship and the SPL and stuff, and then Stephen Davis and Gareth McCauley. Do you guys feel any sense of you almost have to show the young guys the way type of thing? Is there a type of mentorship, maybe even indirectly, going on there? Yeah, I would say so, especially in the case of the the players that have played at the top top level, Johnny, uh, Davo, like you say, Gareth, um, Craig Cathcart, and, and players like that, Stuart Dallas, is that. It's not necessarily that they'll constantly put their arm around young players and say, this is how it's done, but it's just a, a constant example. And I mean, if you see Stephen Davis absolutely busting his gut in training to win every single possession, to win every single game that he plays in, and you see the quality and the attention to detail that he has, then you've got no excuse not to be at that level, at least. Uh, you might give it away more than Stephen Davis. Uh, there's not many people that don't. But <laughs> if you um, if you're not at his level physically and mentally in terms of commitment to whatever you're doing, then obviously there's just no excuse for that. And it's the same with same with all the lads, Johnny and uh, Craig as well. An interesting question that we we often pose. We all we often ask what about one piece of advice you would give to young players coming through that want to go pro. I want to kind of use that question, but I want to kind of add to it. And um, for someone who's played international football, um, what what does it take on top of that piece of advice you're going to give to also make it to international football? Is the dream attainable for young players? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've only got to look at players that are coming through now, um, especially in the English leagues, that they're getting chances now because they realise how non-league players are now getting chances in league football and then the Premier League and obviously international teams are now looking at the lower leagues of English football and thinking these players are good enough physically, they're good enough technically to make it at that top level. So I think as much as we keep talking about it, it's just just having that consistency all the time, doing things that others won't or can't every single day, I think is just just stay in discipline um, and just constantly trying to improve, I think, because there's always room for improvement. I mean, if you're, if you haven't made it professionally, then obviously there's a, there's a big room for improvement, but even if at my age, obviously there's things I still want to improve on my game. I'm still learning every day. So yeah, I think the biggest piece of it, well, there's obviously a few bits of advice in there, but I just, I can't, I can never really get away from the fact that um, probably the biggest piece of advice I'd give anybody would just be to stay disciplined and stay consistent with with everything you're doing. Yeah, that hard work, that discipline, that dedication, and that maybe even the belief, you know, you said it earlier, to stay true to yourself that that you can achieve what you want to achieve. You know, your teammate um earlier today, uh Craig, you know, he mentioned about giving a hundred percent of himself that when he finishes his his career, whether it he makes it higher, whether he doesn't, he knows he's done everything that he could to at least you know, give it a hundred percent to at least say he tried to make it as high as he can. And I think that's vitally important for any young player. Yeah, I mean, you hear it all the time, don't you? I could have made it if if I'd have done this. I could have made it if if this had happened. I could have made it. Um, they're just excuses at the end of the day, aren't they? And um, like Craig's got a brilliant mindset. You, you can tell that every single day in training because he's at it every single day in training, like it's a game. I think that's probably the biggest. Maybe that's probably my piece of advice, actually, if we can go back to that one, is mm-hmm. treat every single day like it's like it's a game day. Mm-hmm. Um, get the most out of it. 
It's a phenomenal piece of advice, I think. And, you know, as you mentioned there, that a lot of people say, oh, that could have been me. You know, it brings me back to listening to an interview with Chris Wilder, um, who, who you'll know from your Sheffield um, United days. And Chris said he was at the pub watching the football one Sunday and, and Leicester were on and Jimmy Vardy was playing. He overheard the guy at the table next to him saying, that could have been me. And he said he actually turned around and said to him, but it's not you, it's him. <laughs> and I thought that really made me laugh, and I just have to ask you, you know, just by bringing Chris up, um, what was Chris like to work under? Yeah, intense. <clears throat> I think obviously he set the standard in terms of what he wanted in training every day. Um, the intensity was obviously really high, and that showed in the games. I think mm. I I look back at that twelve months and think how much that taught me. Obviously, being there, the the intensity of training and everything everybody did was so high that it just naturally bled into the games and you could mm -hmm. see that in, in the teams that we were playing couldn't handle the intensity mm -hmm. because it had been worked for the previous five days before the previous six months before so yeah it was it was brilliant to work to work under him and and alan neil as well his assistant was was great tactically so they were a really good really good duo and obviously they got their just rewards with um with getting promoted well, let's bring things a bit closer to home. You're at Charlton now. Um, I think it'll be safe to say so far the season hasn't went as as well as you probably would have wanted. Um, but there's cer certainly a lot of time to put that right. There's a lot of football still to be played and League One is such a crazy nuts league that anything can happen. Um, what are the goals and the aspirations for this season for Charlton Athletic? I think like you say, obviously we've had a um, a shaky start, if you like, with a, with a change of manager. But since since the gaffers come in, uh, obviously on an interim basis at the moment, uh, the results have picked up, and we're showing sort of signs of where we want to be. We've managed to get through in the FA Cup, so I think it's the as a team. I think we'd like to get as close to the playoffs as possible. Give ourselves a chance, maybe with ten games to go, to say let's give it one big push, and hope hopefully we get in there. And then get as far as we can in the cups. I, I think it um, would be the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. Certainly wish you all the best for that this season. Be certainly keeping tabs on you. Um, for for people who want to connect with you, follow you, see what you're up to. Where are you available on social media for any fans to to get involved and see what you're at? Uh, Instagram and Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't use that obviously as much as, mm -hmm. as probably most people do. But yeah, Instagram and Twitter are my uh, my main ones really. I encourage any of our listeners to follow you, see what you're up to and wish you all the best for the season. And just before we, we sign off, I do have to ask is what's the aspirations in the future for Connor Washington? To play as long as possible, as high as level as possible, to be honest. I think um, it's great to see players like obviously Gareth McCauley played um, until he was maybe 38, Davo 30, 35, 36 now. Um, these these people are showing that with the right attitude and care for care for yourself that that you can go on the breaking barriers. Obviously, Ronaldo's a uh, a big one for that as well. That you can still play at the top level. So <clears throat> to play as as high as possible for as long as possible, I'd say would probably be my aspirations going forward. Well, Connor, obviously wish you well in that. I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, I'm Darren. This is the MatchFit Football Podcast. That was Connor Washington. We've had a great chat, great episode. Hope you've taken some tidbits, some golden nuggets of information throughout this show. Connor, thank you so much for, for coming on today. Tom, man. Thanks for having me.